0: Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast that explores the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with artists, creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. What does leadership mean to you? Today's guest on Getting Work to Work answers that question by focusing our attention on the intensely personal journey of leadership instead of gimmicks, tricks, and mimicking our heroes. Edward Tyson is the CEO of Persynergy Consulting and author, of From Expert to Executive, Mastering the SOPs of Leading. In this conversation, Ed shares the story behind the leadership SOPs, the standard operating procedures for structuring, operating, and perfecting your communities of effort. He also talks about his love of patterns and people puzzles, where insights for leadership come from, and what it means to run people-centered businesses. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co 601. What are you endlessly curious about? People
1: puzzles. They uh, mesmerize me. How to spot them, how to find the keys to unlock the power of, you know, really the social experience at work. It mm-hmm. entangles my mind.
0: Mm. I mean, I, I'm already intrigued the way that you immediately gave me people puzzles because there are so many ways that you can interpret that. <laughs>
1: Indeed. Well, you know, even one person is a puzzle unto themselves, right? And then Mm -hmm. we throw two and three and four and five on a team or uh, 500 in an organization, and the complexity is mesmerizing. And yet, out of that arises a lot of patterns that repeat themselves Mm -hmm. over time.
0: Mm. Have you always seen these patterns, or is this something that you've discovered along the way that you have the ability to see patterns? Good
1: question. I think never never really gave it uh, much thought, but I do think that I am naturally predisposed towards looking for uh, patterns whether it's traffic or uh, conversational patterns, di- you know, dialogue in a play, those kinds of things. I think I do see repeating patterns everywhere.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. One of the things that as I was getting to know you on your website is that you said that you love or that you've chosen the road less traveled, which already you hooked me. But what are some of the experiences and diverse perspectives that has really fed your interest in the patterns and the people puzzles and ultimately leadership? Sure. Well, I I think
1: one example that comes to mind is really two things that were happening in in my life in tandem. you know, On one hand, I had joined the US Marine Corps at 17. In fact, oh, wow. uh, at that age, your mommy has to sign the papers, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or, your, or your dad, I suppose, but my mother was the one that signed mine. And I was having this Marine Corps experience uh, and it was giving me this amazing window into the power of leadership and mostly really at its best. On the other hand, though, I was a reservist. So after my six months of active duty training, I really returned to a semi-civilian life and started college at Penn State University. And during that experience, I was studying philosophy. and (laughs) Naturally. Yeah, like most Marines, right? Exactly. And I took this class entitled sects and cults, so sectarian movements and cult movements. Mm -hmm. And it just blew my mind to learn how mentally stable individuals who are really steeped in what we might call normal uh, cultural beliefs and activities can be so quickly swept up and and they abandon these beliefs and embrace new kind of shockingly aberrant ones Mm -hmm. and studying these two things in tandem one one really experientially in the marine corps and the other kind of more intellectually in the classroom really gave me this sense of both the awesome and awful sides of leadership. And it just drew me in a, in a way that that's really hard for me to describe or communicate, but it still fires me up today.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's amazing to, to hear that experience because, I mean, that is the perfect illustration of good and bad leadership right there. I mean, that's the spectrum right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. The bit of the yin and the yang.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you're learning about cults and, and and all of that, I mean, I'm just curious, Like, what did you learn about why people let their beliefs go in favor of other things?
1: Well, one of the biggest things is not just the power of the leader eventually over the members, but it's the powers of the members over each other. So it is the synergistic cultural dynamic Uh, And once there uh, are enough uh, followers, as it were, buying into the dynamic, the power of the group is overwhelming to the human psyche. And really what studies have shown uh, again and again about uh, people who have uh, fallen prey really to some really terrible dynamics inside of cult movements is that uh, most of them, you know, do not have what we might call uh, some kind of mental instability, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they fall prey to this. The other thing that we find is that there really are patterns with the leaders uh, that they're using to socially engineer an outcome. Interesting.
0: It almost implies a sense of multiple levels of leadership then, where you have the leader itself, but then you have the way the group comes together and forms another form of leadership.
1: Yes, it only works. So you've hit on uh, an issue that I'll be exploring in my next book, but it it really is the power, there is a transformative power when we move from leadership Mm -hmm. to membership. And that is a moment where something really special happens. (laughs) Now that special thing can be especially positive or especially (laughs) negative. But something special really happens when we buy in. We almost surpass the leader mm-hmm. uh, and start to form our own synergy and culture as a team of people. Yeah.
0: Well, you've mentioned synergy a couple of times now. Is this where your your love and interest in synergy came from? Because your company is called that. It's got the word synergy in it.
1: Exactly. As in results per synergy. And so that's uh, where we get the per synergy. And it also, if you listen to it deeply, you can hear the word person in there because this is a person-centered, a people-centered business. Oh, that's excellent.
0: I love it when there is meaning and purpose on multiple levels in a company name.
1: Well, then you're really going to love when we get to talking about the leadership SOPs.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It is rich with meaning. Yeah. In a way that is really the essence of leadership is meaning and purpose is if if I'm understanding what I'm taking in from you is well a-
1: I think absolutely. In fact, when I first started on my own personal journey, I was a former, you know, vice president of process improvement, vice president of strategy, and my f- First place I was anchored in was to fix people's leadership process, mm. but where I found that took me is people not quite understanding what they should aim their own personal process at. Mm. And then when I started to try and fill that gap, they were arguing with me about how could they possibly have time <laughs> to do what I was describing. <laughs> and that's when I realized they weren't firmly anchored in the purpose of leading. And if they did not anchor themselves there, the work would never make sense and they would never be able to engage
0: in the process. Mm. So where does that anchoring process begin then?
1: I think it begins with really deconstructing this word leadership Mm. and trying to understand, look, it's way more important, more important than what Ed Tyson thinks is what each individual (laughs) <laughs> kind of comes to know about leadership but I'll tell you what I what I, my own journey resulted in and that is understanding that at the end of the day leadership is a process it is a process of social organization so leadership itself is really a tool to help this social organization happen and it's meant to yield a willing capable, and sustainable community of effort. Because if it's not willing, then we're not leading, right? We're being a dictator. Okay. If if they're just willing and they're not capable, then we've inspired them. but We haven't pulled them together in the right ways to make them capable of the challenges they'll face. So you must do both of those. And then lastly, they will not remain willing or capable for long if the community of effort itself is not sustainable.
0: Mm. Wow. It's so simple yet so complex, all in in what you've just said.
1: (laughs) That is what I really, in my own personal thoughts on this, what I really tried to focus on is how can I bring this down to something that is raw Mm -hmm. and undeniable and simple, but Kind of when once you embrace it, it it becomes very complicated in the ways that it takes shape. You know, how do I make sure in my process of leading that I am both generating willingness Mm -hmm. and capability? And then ultimately, how am I ensuring that everything that I'm doing is sustainable?
0: When I read the phrase communities of effort, my mind kind of did a little like, screeching tire thing. Like I, the brakes were like slammed on because when you combine community and effort, it implies that people are coming together to do work. And, and I, I, there's just something about that, that, that really struck me as profound.
1: Well, you and me both, I encountered the phrase while trying to complete my model. And I was calling in uh, other partners and colleagues and a colleague that has done quite a bit of work uh, with us by the name of Ken Harper was in the back of my van. I have this mobile, <laughs> we call it the executive coach. Uh, it's a Sprinter <laughs> van that's that's been altered so we can do meetings both with clients and each other in mobile locations. Wow! And so we're huddled in the back of this thing and we were trying to talk about organizational design and strip back its meaning just like we're doing with leadership here yeah. and ken uttered this phrase community of effort and it hit me like a lightning bolt
0: i mean what was it about it that that struck
1: you well first of all it's exactly what you just said you know com- community there is something social and interconnected about that that word and effort uh, really is is talking about both the, the context and the purpose of that community, uh, is to exude the, the effort. Also, I loved, uh, since I came up in the corporate uh, ladder as someone who quite often was driving change with just a very small team of my own, early in my career, no team of my own, but I was always having to assemble this, uh, you know, in in the words of some that have come before me, this guiding coalition that would help uh, drive uh, forward my effort. I always thought about there's my team that I'm leading, but there's this broader thing I have to worry about. And so later in life, when I started coaching other executives, I was constantly looking for ways for them to think about their team as a, in a broader sense. And what I found is that word like leadership is anchored for so many of us in a problematic space to where we only think about my team, the team I own, the team I control. And I don't even want to think about other teams because it's too hard. It's too hard to help get them to prioritize with me, to act in coordination with me. And there goes, right? From that moment onward goes a lot of corporate dysfunction.
0: Right. Before I move on, I just have to say the fact that you have a sprinter van and you call it the executive coach is brilliant, and speaks to this idea that you have fun with this too. Absolutely, you know my
1: uh, my mother was actually uh, an executive for the RV and Camping Association in Pennsylvania. In fact, she presided over the largest RV show in the world. Oddly enough, from oh, wow. there, and so I grew up touring these these shows and touring rvs and so there is a a piece of this personal side to me that i've always just loved the idea of customizing vehicle space for a very specific use and it also just happens to fit really nicely with some needs of the business yeah
0: well i imagine too you can pull in very interesting leadership examples from the world of rving too
1: (laughs) absolutely absolutely
0: One of the things that kind of I I think people think of when it comes to leadership is like powerful communication, strong interpersonal skills, charisma. But it's just like, is that it? Is that all you need to be a good leader? Well, you know, you are touching on a
1: soft spot with me that is a real trigger uh, in the work that I do because I see so much of the, you know, $360 billion that are estimated to be spent in the training world. I see so much of them, particularly as it relates to leadership, focused on skills and styles. So interpersonal skills and styles that can help one lead better. And the real problem with that is that they are not leadership. They are the skills that help one lead better. And there is a difference because if you were to coach me and help me, Lord knows I need it to be a better communicator. You'd probably start touching on my need to be more succinct. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is that is only useful to me as a leader. If I use it in the process of leading. Otherwise you've made me a better member of the team, a better communicator but you've not helped me understand the purpose the work or the process of leading because that skill is an accelerator it is it is critical
0: there is no doubt
1: but it is not leadership itself leadership itself is something else
0: yeah and which is what you just said it's it's there's a purpose there's work and there's a process Absolutely. And then inside, once you're
1: engaged in that process, that's when you start grabbing the critical skills that are going to help you continually perfect that process. Mm, Interesting.
0: Well, Ed, you wrote a book called From Expert to Executive, Mastering the, and ABCs is crossed out, and then SOPs of Leading. And one of the things that's interesting about this book is that you kind of write it almost like in a, in a narrative format about a mythical biotech company. And when I was hearing about the scientists who love the work but then have a hard time visualizing what leadership is really about, I naturally thought about creative people. And, and primarily because we're like scientists, we'd love to do the work, but really struggle when it comes to leadership and leading other people. So how can the leadership SOPs methodology that you're unpacking in this book help creative people become stronger leaders and better creative entrepreneurs?
1: Well, it's a, that's a great question because many people you know, just take the book at face value, which is thinking about... How a relatively structured thinker can be helped through a relatively structured process, right? <laughs> In this book, I'm introducing uh, the leadership SOPs, which are your standard operating procedures for structuring, operating, and perfecting your communities of effort. So I'm using the SOPs twice, both as the process that you should be uh, creating and deploying, which is your your own standard operating procedures, but also uh, to tell you what to aim those at, structuring, operating, and perfecting communities of effort. And I, of course, break that down into detail, but it's easy to think, well, that's great for a structured, detailed thinker, but how in the world does that help somebody who is extremely creative? Yeah. And my answer would be one of the things a lot of my creatives that I coach uh, struggle with is self-regulation, attending to the things that don't excite them, mm-hmm. that don't get their minds uh, really uh, engaged and, and doesn't wake them up in the morning. And by you know exploring what uh, the purpose of leading is, the domains of leading, kind of the work of leading, and then building your own process allows you to do is say, hey, just pick one or two things And engage in it repeatedly till it, you know, let's just talk plainly, till it becomes a habit. The only difference is this is a willful habit. (laughs) And so it helps you attend to things uh, that you might not normally, or it might help you self-regulate and do something less that you do do a lot of and you're trying to pull back on.
0: Right. Interesting. I love that idea of self-regulation because, you know, Lord knows there's a lot of things creative people don't like to do. (laughs) For sure, and I am one of them. Yeah, I'm only speaking for myself here, of course.
1: (laughs) Yes, right. Well, you feel free to put some words in my mouth as well. It sounds like we're, uh, you know, in a similar vein there.
0: (laughs) I, I, I just got to say, Ed, I love how there's again multiple meanings to everything that you're doing. So you know, standard operating procedures, and then structure operation, and was it operation and operate, uh, operate and Perfect. practice. Perfect. I was so close.
1: Yeah. You know, with one <laughs> of the things I, I say all the time is that, uh, don't struggle to understand the meaning and not to memorize the words. The funniest thing about why I use acronyms so much in my model mm-hmm. is literally literally because I would not remember it otherwise. So I I need these kind of mnemonics because I am terrible at memorizing uh, details. They, They just don't interest me as much as the overriding patterns. And so I really try to bring the perspective that if you remember the spirit of what we're trying to say, which is, hey, create some willful habits and aim them at, and if you can remember structure operate perfect, that's fantastic. But if what you can remember is design, engage, and improve, that's awesome too. It just wasn't, wasn't as cute and didn't fold into a <laughs> mnemonic double entendre that is the leadership SOPs.
0: <laughs> that's excellent. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having too much fun with that. Oh, is this, where did you discover... And and really start to codify this methodology.
1: Well, uh, actually, first in part of the book, uh, the introduction, as you mentioned, that the ten chapters are, are telling this whole thing in a story that is both gripping and really uh, illustrative. But the introduction kind of tells the story of some of my own personal journey, which was, you know, literally, and I, I think we touched on this earlier. I I originally was trying to say, hey, how can I pull something together that differentiates me in the marketplace that I, and, and and better than just differentiating, better than just marketing, can actually put me in a place where I feel like I'm doing something different than others. Hmm. And as a former process improvement guy, I <laughs> thought to myself, uh, well, the reason that coaching doesn't stick and that we don't have leaders engaging in leadership You know, by the way, a global study just a little while ago showed that only 14% of CEOs think they have the leaders they need to implement the strategy. So if I'm going to solve that problem, if I'm going to try and help make even a dent in it, then I need to be able to have leaders institute new processes that will stick and immediately it clicked for people. At that time, I was calling it leadership systems. And tell me about your leadership systems, right? Not very uh, sexy, not very memorable. <laughs> but people understood what I meant. It's just what they didn't understand was, well, here's the ones I have. These are the, the things I do, the one-on-ones I have. This is when I do planning, uh, stuff like that. But what they couldn't see was the gaps. And mm-hmm. so I started giving them examples and, and really overwhelming them with what is a you know graduate level course on organizational effectiveness, where you're starting at uh, what's happening with the ecosystem, what value are you trying to deliver, i.e. what's your purpose, mm-hmm. you know, what are your uh, objectives, what are the cultural objectives, and what are your strategies, right? P- peeling it back. And I just kept going from there, right? That's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and they would be like, whoa wow, Ed, uh, you, you seem to not realize I have a job here. And I don't have any time for that. And that, of course, just blew my mind. I'm like, well, of course it's a lot. It's a whole job and it's your job. You already have it. Your boss is already holding you accountable for it. And that's why I'm here, by the way, is because you're not doing it. <laughs> so, so the fact that you think you should be doing this work over here, which is really your team's work, and you're not attending to this work is super problematic. But I couldn't win that argument from that perspective because I was talking about the what. You know, I started with the how, that didn't do it. Then I needed to talk about the what, that didn't do it. And then the dummy I am, I finally came to the realization that I got to get to the why. Mm. And that's when I hit, you know, kind of the the clarity of mind myself is to look, if, if you... Let's just strip it all the way back to the beginning. The first time you embraced an objective that you could not achieve alone, you understood leadership. Because it was bigger than you. And you need to do something to craft or cultivate the community of effort that was commensurate to that challenge. Then you understood leadership and you understood its purpose was to do just that. And all I've done is break it down then into a framework that mm-hmm. says, what does it look like to structure one, i.e. design it, starting with strategy and moving all the way to uh, an organizational design, then looking at the engagement. How do we plan, hold people accountable, do stakeholder engagement? And lastly, you know, how do we perfect it and yeah. look at how we do transformation at individual teams and organizations?
0: Ooh, just blew my mind a little bit there, because like as you're describing what you're doing to help people, you know, lead and and adopt leadership and and address that 14%, there was that vision component there that once you see the objective that you want to go after, and you can't do it yourself, you start to understand leadership, and I think that right there. Is I think sometimes where we can get tripped up because yeah. we have an idea, but oh, I, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to actually pull that off. So I'm going to lessen the idea so that I don't have to grow into the, who I need to be to get that done.
1: Yes, and, and here's the added piece that I the the other fork in the road mm-hmm. uh, that you're seeing right now, and that is that I become obsessed. With my vision mm. that that creates the need for my leadership, mm. but I s- keep my my gaze on the vision instead of shifting it to the means mm-hmm. to obtain the vision. Mm. Right? Yeah. You've got that's that is the leadership paradox that that you are so you have embraced <laughs> this challenge, this vision, this whatever, and you've got to look away from it. And you've got to stare down this challenge of building a community of effort. That has to become your priority. The team's work has got to be to make that vision happen. But you have to structure, operate, and perfect a community of effort capable of that vision. That's what you
0: have to be obsessed with. Yeah. Ooh. That's amazing. So one of the things that i'm also kind of wrapping my mind around is from your perspective as someone who is tackling that 14% of you know CEOs saying that you know they don't have the leadership available to them
1: well it's actually worse right it's it's only it's only 15% uh think they do have it right so it's <laughs> it's the other 86% that think they don't <laughs> I, I, perhaps I, I could have even said it wrong earlier, but yeah, it's, it's, it's more troubling than, than 14% right. think they have a problem. It's, it's 86% say they got a problem and only 14% think they're, I'm um, okie dokie.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, regardless of the number, I mean, the yeah. problem statement is, is, is massive. So how do you not only Teach, but grow as a leader yourself, because there there in implies that other part of the paradox, whereas you know you don't fully arrive at leadership. You're always in the process of learning to become a better leader.
1: Well, absolutely, and and really, when uh, when I drill down, so under each of those three domains I shared earlier of structure, operate, perfect, when you drill down under perfect, you you realize that there's perfecting yourself as the leader, uh, which applies to, to me as well. Uh, I certainly have grabbed onto an objective I can't achieve alone. Uh, there is how do you uh, develop and help perfect other individuals, right? And that's a journey. It's perfect, not perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and, and then there is um, looking at the team level of treating teams as an organism that must be fostered and 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 developed and matured over time and then lastly looking at the organizational level so you really it it, it contains all all of those levels but to your point it starts with yourself and for me you know it it begins with the first question you asked me was uh, something to the effect of you know what am i endlessly curious about Mm -hmm. And I think that we all have to remember to be a little unsure that the things we know are the things we know, that the things we've figured out are always true or were they true in that point in time in that (laughs) context? And that is really where, you know, leadership SOPs, as powerful as it is, could go wrong if someone said, well, here's the things I'm going to do and I'm only ever going to do those things. And that's what I'm going to call leadership. I'm going to do these SOPs, and that's it. Well, that will be a dire mistake because what works for you one time uh, does not work for you two times or three times or four, right? It all has to be an evolution. We, we are always encountering new information, new context, new challenges.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm loving this. I'm loving it. It's excellent. Me too. (laughs) Do you have a favorite part of the methodology that you enjoy guiding people through? Super
1: cool question. Of course I do. Um, (laughs) The the reality is we all have our favorite parts of leadership. Mm -hmm. And one of the powerful things of the Leadership SOP is powerful for me as well as powerful for others is that it helps you not only be more consistent by establishing some processes that you do attempt to to do some reps with, right? Like just like reps in the gym to build your strength, but also helps you be more comprehensive across those three domains. And for me, it really is, I have just a super love for translating organizational strategy into an organizational design, right? Where do the chess pieces need to go on the three-dimensional chessboard of life? How can we make sure that the players are arrayed on the field of play in the right spaces so that when the whistle blows, we have the best chance for success? That is super exciting to me. And I love that kind of work. Most of the uh, organizational work that I do uh, is focused on that. And then my other favorite place is on coaching. And that's probably no shock to you at all to hear that. But I use this same schema and framework to help make sure I attend more broadly Mm. to the things that maybe don't attract me as much, that don't excite me, that I don't wake up naturally thinking about.
0: (laughs) Right. Because that's part of a process is defining everything from start to finish so that you know what it is. Exactly. Ed, where, where do the greatest insights into leadership come from?
1: Boy, powerful question. I think they come from you. Mm. You know, this is uh, an intensely personal journey. One where, you know, you are very literally, each individual who comes to leadership is making room in their hearts, in their minds, and in their daily life for a purpose that is maybe not natural to them, that is maybe not one which they chose, but the objectives that they're pursuing require it. And that is where I say the power of my words may help you at the right moment in time. They may run right up over your head because it it is your personal insights, how you receive them. Are you ready to take action? That's where the meaning comes. And I can't tell you how often I've heard back from people I've coached, and it's been one or two or three years later and they call me up and they have just hit a new level of understanding about things that we were talking about three years before, (laughs) but they just woke up one day and something came out of their mouth while talking to somebody else. And they just made like a different level of connection Mm -hmm. and everything is different from, for them from that moment on. Now, the really interesting thing is I've actually been sitting in the room with somebody on my first meeting with them where somehow that same thing happened for them in our very first meeting. And the rest of the time was about watching this person make radical changes to their daily, weekly, and monthly habits. And I was in awe. It was literally me observing and doing very little from that first moment.
0: What I love about that story, too, is that it shows just how, like, you have a process, but you can't control the insight that comes f- from each person. So it's like, imagine if you tried to like bake it; in, you're going to have this epiphany right out of the gate. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> work that way.
1: You know, it reminds me a lot. So in that uh, philosophy study, I, I studied a lot of Eastern philosophy, and, and Buddhism, of course, was included in that. And it reminds me of the uh, Buddha's first sermon under the Bodhi tree and, and, you know, really just decides to just hold up a lotus flower. Uh, right. right? And, and, uh, don't believe, uh, in that story says anything and, uh, one person gets it. And that was, you know, kind of more than what he could have hoped for. So that, that was the end of the sermon. <laughs> You know, it's just—it's all timing and where you are. And you know, if if the student is ready, the teacher will appear.
0: So, how do you bring all of this insight, all of this—you know—interest in people puzzles and philosophy, and your background in the Marine Corps? How do you bring this into a company called Per Synergy Consulting and help other people transform, you know, their companies? Well, uh, you know, we kind of
1: do three levels of engagement where some you would say we're working for a particular individual, others we're working for a team as a whole, mm-hmm. and then others it's more of an organizational client. And that that takes the form of, of things that maybe sound a little more conventional, which you know would be executive coaching, mm-hmm. team coaching, uh, conflict resolution on teams, team alignment work, strategic planning operational planning, organizational design, digital and process transformation. So there's all these areas, but the common theme really is there is a desire to be in a different state, Mm. either on an individual or collective level. And we're simply operating as mentors and guides through that process.
0: Mm. I love that. Well, Ed, who are a few of your leadership heroes? Well, I promise
1: I will answer that, but I'll I'll preface it with I really don't like the idea of leadership heroes. Uh, <laughs> it, it leaves everyone chasing somebody else's leadership SOPs that might have been right for them but won't work for you. Um, you know, do we all want to try and be Steve Jobs? Can we all make that work? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we all want to be Elon Musk? Can we make that? Would we want that to work? Uh, you know, so uh, and also we have to just be careful what we wish for in terms of our heroes, because it uh, turns out we're, we're humans are deeply flawed. And uh, it, it really sometimes when we put someone up on a pedal too too high, it doesn't work out well for us uh, in, in the end. And so, you know. Really, I think the whole point of leadership SOPs is is to help determine what's going to work for you and through your own experiments, through your own standard operating procedures for structuring, operating, and perfecting your communities of effort. Now, I know I promised I said I'd, I'd answer <laughs> it, but <so> I will. <laughs>
0: so I love that response so much. You have no idea. That was brilliant. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So, um,
1: you know, on a very, very serious note, uh, I'll say that I am currently equal parts in awe and anguish watching uh, President Zelensky and uh, the Ukrainian people rise to the occasion of building the community of effort mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, he and they need, um, perhaps the world needs. Uh, and it's quite remarkable to, to watch what's happening as they reach out to become members of the EU Uh, as they reach out to create a foreign legion uh, and and just uh, amazing, amazing um, activities. And I think realization is in the insights going on, Um, you know, depending on how long it takes for us to air, you know, potentially my words, just thinking here live as we're talking could have a significantly different weight or meaning tomorrow or Mm -hmm. by the end of next week, depending on how things unfold there.
0: And I, and I think when we think of communities of effort, I mean, that's how fast the world, the, our lives change. I mean, it's, it can be in a blink of an eye.
1: Undoubtedly. Yeah.
0: Well, Ed, as we wrap up our time together, what's one thing you want listeners to take away from our conversation?
1: Well, I think it's to explore, clarify, transform. And master. That's our transformation model. And what I mean by that is explore the purpose and work of leading, Mm -hmm. clarify your priorities, transform through your own experimental processes, and then master the change and the transformation uh, using your own leadership SOPs as a platform for continuous improvement.
0: Well, final question for you, Ed: What book, podcast, or resource is currently blowing your mind right now?
1: Oh man! Well, uh, I am super excited about a book that uh, actually I just got the notice. I advanced ordered it, and it's on its way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called uh, "Decoding Talent: How AI and Big Data Can Solve Your Company's People Puzzle," huh. and it's by Eric Seidel, uh, Mike Hootie, and uh, Michael Ashley. Now, Michael Ashley was a collaborator on my book as well, and it turns out that Dr. Seidel uh, is a lifelong friend of mine whose insights on The application of machine learning Mm -hmm. and people puzzles really fascinate me. And, uh, you know, I just personally, uh, their their book aside, think that we're going to learn more in the next five years about organizational effectiveness Mm -hmm. and people in general than we did in the last 50 through our ability to source and decipher massive amounts of data Mm -hmm. and make new connections where none could be seen before using, you know, uh, AI.
0: I mean, just from the last two years alone, where there was a huge shift into remote work as well, even more data.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Ed, thank you so much for being a guest on Getting Work to Work and sharing all about leadership SOPs and your passion for people puzzles and your love for acronyms. Huzzah to that. (laughs) I love that
1: that's like that's like uh you know telling me congratulations on my absolutely horrid memory <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i I'm celebrating it because I think it's brilliant so you know well without done. the power of
1: mnemonics where where would I be
0: yeah where we all have those things in our lives that that we need that you know maybe embarrass us but they're really a strength so I celebrate it
1: Well, Chris, I have done a number of shows, and I just have to tell you, I had an absolute blast today. Thank you for your insightful questions and your full engagement. It was just a pleasure.
0: There were so many phrases that Ed shared in this episode that just blew my mind. But if there's one that I would love to reiterate again, it's one that's also on his website. He says, we conceive of leadership the moment we first hold an objective in our minds we cannot achieve alone. And what I love about that so much is that there's so much in my life that I would just shove aside because I didn't want to uh, think about something that I couldn't achieve alone. And perhaps that's me just running away from leadership. So what is it in your life that's keeping you from conceiving of leadership for your life and work? Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.